This is a Visual Audio Times production. Hello and welcome to Imole, your go-to mental health, wellness and spirituality podcast. I am your host, Palumi. Thank you for hitting play on this episode. Please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcast so you don't miss out on new episodes. Also, follow Imole on Instagram and Twitter at ImoleThePod. Before we start today's episode, I'd like for us to calm our nerves with a short meditation exercise. Follow the sound of my voice. Breathe in slowly. Breathe out slowly. enjoy the meditation session and I hope you enjoy it too. So today we're going to talk about attention deficit hyperactive disorder, also known as ADHD. I'm sure most of us are familiar with the major symptoms of ADHD and we've heard about it so many times. We've heard about it in movies, TV shows, people talk about it. So you already know that ADHD symptoms are mostly high levels of activity, short attention span, forgetfulness, and restlessness. ADHD is one of the most common mental disorders affecting children, and it's also quite common in adults, although most adults are diagnosed when they're children. There are three major types of ADHD, the impulsive hyperactive type, the inattentive distractible type, and the combined type, which is often the most common one. So the combined type involves the impulsive hyperactive type and the inattentive distractible type together. And this is, like I said, very, very common. You see it in children all the time. But for this episode, you don't just take my word for it, because for this episode, I have a very, very special guest who has come to share his experience with us. He's a young adult living with ADHD in Nigeria. His name is Tami, and Tami is a security researcher who spends time hacking away at software, writing code, and occasionally plays music. He's trying to be humble about his music playing skills, but you know what, guys, I'll I'll get him to talk more about it on this. Hi, Timmy. How are you? Oh, hi, hi. Uh, thank you for having me on <laughs> podcasts. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for the opportunity to you know, speak about this and share tidbits about my life, about how it's been impacted since I identified I had ADHD and how living has been thus far. Yeah, thank you. That's nice. So tell us briefly about how and where you grew up. So what was your childhood like? You know, are you an only child? Do you have siblings? Just give us an insight into the early life of Tammy. Uh, okay, so I grew up in a sleepy, very sleepy town in South, South Nigeria. Uh, sleepy because nothing seriously happened. Uh yeah, everybody knew everybody. Uh, I grew up among family. 
particularly my nuclear family. Uh, and then my life growing up was centered around, well, not at the same time, but a triangle, pretty much church, school, and house, right? So my interaction was centered around folks I knew at church, uh, select friends from school, <clears throat> and then family, and then uh, certain family friends as well. And most of my childhood and early teenage years were shaped by reading extensively. Uh, so I grew up in a family of educators, so I got to read a lot. Uh, then music. So I started playing music quite at an early age. Uh, it was fascinating seeing how you could create sounds from objects in a very structured manner, right? I was surprised how you could mix structured sounds, sounds of pleasant sounds. So I took interest in playing instruments. Uh, yeah, and I spent early teenage years trying to master multiple musical instruments. Like from what you've already said, you were definitely an active child. From what I hear, like picking up yeah. different instruments, and um, also from our previous conversation, I can tell you are a very active person. So, when did you notice you had any difficulty concentrating? Well, first of all, let me ask you this: What are the symptoms of ADHD that you experience? Like, what symptoms are very profound in your life? Okay, so I'll just say we're pretty much tell the story, and then pick out at the end, right? So. I think when I was maybe like six or seven, I first of all got into trouble with my teachers in school because I'm left-handed, right? And they're trying to get me to switch to my right hand. So I got into trouble over that at first. Uh, then there was the occasional complaints to my parents that I wasn't paying attention in class. I wasn't listening. I was always uh, talking to seatmates or other friends, asking for things, mid-lectures, right? Or mid-classes, right? Uh, so there was that those complaints coming returning home. Uh, then I think there was also the occasional complaint from home where I would be caught daydreaming mid chores, right? So say I'm washing plates, doing the dishes, uh, and I would just somehow start daydreaming and pause. And people would expect me to have been done with that task, right? But I'm here daydreaming. Uh, then also... I think on school parts, uh fact that, like I said, I grew up reading, right? Reading from, uh, how was it pronounced again? Well, I grew up reading a lot, reading a lot of books, right? But then when it got to, uh, so I could focus on reading any kind of material, any book, any topic. But when it came specifically to academic books pertaining to what I was doing in school, then a particular term uh, in class or that particular year in class, uh, I would lose interest, right? So say I had an assignment to do or I had a test coming up a couple of days and my siblings were reading for their own tests because, you know, tests would fall in the same period. Uh, I would always be distracted, right? I was always looking for something to take my attention to uh, satisfy my curiosity. Yeah, so all that, so I was pretty much like the restless kid, the one who wasn't focused, the one who didn't have his life put together as a kid, right? Yeah, it didn't all make sense, but I, I now realize that uh, a lot of all these were symptoms of ADHD that 
uh, were not caught on early. It just felt like, oh, I was this restless kid, this stubborn kid who wouldn't pay attention in class, who wouldn't listen to instructions, who wouldn't uh, do things accordingly, do things at the appropriate time, and who would always be caught mid tasks daydreaming or tinkering with stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I do stuff a lot. So I think that's what fueled my foray into engineering later on. Right? If I, I, I enjoyed tinkering with stuff, trying to see how they worked, see them apart, see what uh, made them run, what made them uh, tick. Yeah. So all of this put together were actual symptoms of hyperactivity and attention deficits, right? That I didn't, or that were not identified earlier on. It's much later in adulthood that I pieced everything together and saw how these things were uh, defining or were actual symptoms of ADHD that could have been spotted much earlier. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So could it just be that, I mean, first of all, I'm also going to ask you about when you got diagnosed and how that happened, but you said you particularly weren't interested in school books, but you, did you have other interests that you could focus on? Because you said you could read other books, maybe I'm assuming novels or something and focus and concentrate. But when it came to school books you just kind of got lost in the whole thing so could it just be as a result of a lack of interest no so, so okay so i think i identified uh quite early that was something i noticed that uh i was reading books on uh different topics right things that were seemingly ahead of my age grade so I remember quite early, say between seven and eleven, yeah, because that was a period I got into secondary school, right? Around that period, I was reading books on uh, spiritism because well, they existed in my dad's library, books on uh, ancient uh, history, ancient religions. So I read most of the historical or spiritual texts for major religions across the world today. Read them around that period, right? Around 12, 13, 14. I could grasp these uh, seemingly advanced concepts easily and they caught my interests, right? But uh, things pertaining to... Because, uh, maybe it's because I was doing that learning in an unstructured manner as against academic work that was very structured. So where I had to go through assignments, daily classwork, tests and exams, right? But on this other hand... Trying to gain knowledge from these books was totally unstructured. was at my own leisure, right? So I was just reading and filling my head. There was no test or exams that had to be done or all of that. Yeah, so I think maybe that's not necessarily the uh, thing of interest because there were certainly topics, uh, certainly subjects in secondary school. I remember picking much interest in, and I excelled. Also, yeah, here's the thing as well, right? I excelled throughout school. So... So you were like a a straight-A student, as they say. Something like that. (laughs) Wow. So I I did well throughout school, right? Because I I remember I was uh, struggling with the first, second position with a particular classmate then. Uh, We became friends after school. 
uh, well, throughout secondary school into university, we were friends for a long time. But yeah, we kept on switching first, second position uh, all through throughout secondary school from just one to SS3. So yeah, I was doing well in school, but just that I wasn't exactly focusing as other students were. Yeah, so that was something I knew that was consistent throughout my timeline as a teenager, right? Even when I got to university, I experienced... Yeah, that's for a while as well. You said that you play multiple instruments or you try to play multiple instruments growing up, which means you are quite inquisitive and you also sort of had some faith in yourself and your abilities to pick up things quickly. That's one. Then number two, um, also, I, I, you, you said that you were very good at school and you read things that were very, very advanced for you. Like, so at this point, even though you used to daydream and all, did anybody think that there was anything wrong or there was something that needed to be diagnosed? Because I know as an African child, like as a child in a Nigerian parents, Nigerian home, if you are doing well in school, everything is good. Everything is rosy. You know what I mean? So long as you're not stealing or doing anything that is just completely dangerous, if you're doing well in school, everything is good. So when did you feel like there was a need for you to be diagnosed? Or, or let me just rephrase this question. How did you even get diagnosed in the first place? Okay, so I should say that uh, first thing, I had my own first year of teenage boyhood troubles, right? I got involved in a lot of uh, mysterious things. So yes, uh, but then it became amplified because considering these things, so imagine your parents have been complaining about you daydreaming, you know, of course, your tasks, you're not reading when your siblings are reading and all that, right? And then you're getting involved in boyhood mischievous things as well. Uh, that amplifies things. So there was that, certainly. Uh, when I got into university, I had uh, trouble with authorities. So, well, not exactly trouble with authorities, but uh, see it this way, like, I didn't see the need for a structured authority. So I felt things should go smoothly, like we should wing things. And so when lecturers were trying to impose uh, their will on students, I always rebelled and fought back, right? So there was all of that. Uh, yeah, but then I noticed that I wasn't, I was no longer focusing in class. I would prefer to just take school, uh, the study material, go home, read through it. So I would prefer to read at the beginning of the semester, try and read everything at the beginning of the semester. And then when we necessarily had tests, uh, assignments or exams, right, that's when I would read again. But not like a, like regular students who read almost every day or have scheduled reading periods. I didn't have that throughout school, right? Uh, yeah, then I noticed that uh, when I was in university, my memory started dipping, so I would forget simple things as did I lock the door? And I would check like three or four times. So I'll step out of my house and I would move meters away and then I'll return back to check if I locked the door. And then I started moving out again. I would uh it would ring in my head, did you lock the door? I'll go back to check again. So maybe three or four times a day. Right. So I noticed that was a recurring problem. I also noticed that uh I was forgetting that I had class or so for example, if it wasn't on my timetable, say a lecturer fixed a class uh impromptu, if it wasn't on my default timetable, I would most likely miss it because it don't register in my head that I had a class. Uh activities that were not 
uh, or I don't register in my brain multiple times I had to do, I would most likely miss the activity as well. So there was that as well. Uh, yeah, then I think somewhat towards the end of my school years, I had to get an assistant to help me with things because I was forgetting to reply emails. Also, I started consulting quite early in school, right? And I was having trouble with responding to emails, with meeting deadlines, because I almost likely forget about it. So I had to get an assistant, and the work of my assistant was just to remind me to reply emails, remind me to attend classes, remind me to uh, keep up with deadlines, and ask for uh, updates, task updates, right? That was the work of my assistant throughout uh, my last year in school. So that helped me, to, that helped to see me through school, right? And then I got out of school, started working, well, I was already working full-time in school, so just continued working. But I noticed that at work, so people would say, oh, yes, your work is excellent, but this could have been done faster. This could have been communicated earlier. Uh, quite a lot of things around that, right? So until 2020, okay, 2019, late 2019, I think it started with me complaining about headaches. And I had to go see a general practitioner about headaches. So I was thinking, oh, the headaches were a source of my memory loss because it became more serious. At some point, I forgot about someone I knew for years, someone with close friends, like around 2010 or so. I met the person I only could tell that I knew this person and we were very close, but I couldn't tell to an extent. I couldn't remember anything about our friendship, right? So that was worrisome. And a couple of the headaches I was having around that period, I reached out to a doctor and I was... Uh, oh, yeah, so I think along the line, I realized that I was forgetting things a lot and I started writing things down. So when I was speaking to the doctor, I was writing that, oh, I experienced the same period, I experiencing the headaches, I was experiencing uh, heightened... Uh, forgetfulness, and possibly memory loss, right? And that conversation brought up the need to... Well, also, at that same time, I was having trouble at work because I was missing deadlines. I was, yeah, my work was still excellent. I was still churning out good work, but I was missing a couple of things, so there was always something to pick out with my work because and I, I could have communicated better when there was a blocker, when something was blocking my work. I could have asked for help, reached out for help. I could have done things faster, right? So there's always that little issue with my work. But yeah. Uh, so I was speaking to the doctor and necessitated that uh, the doctor recommended I should speak to a psychologist that maybe it would help. Yeah. So that was 2020. Uh, along the lines of conversations with the psychologist and that's when psychologists said, oh, I take almost all of the major symptoms for adult ADHD, right? And then given uh, my childhood and teenage history, as I relate, relate to the psychologist, uh, I take most of the symptoms, right? The markers for adult ADHD. Uh, so the psychologist decided to, you know what, do an official assessment. Uh, I was asking me a series of questions over multiple sessions and came to the conclusion that, yes, uh, you indeed have ADHD. So yeah, that was how I got diagnosed. So clinical diagnosis was... So you you had pretty much had ADHD all your life and it wasn't 
diagnosed like so you lived with it and then it just started getting worse did the psychologist explain reasons why it got worse over time because you said you completely forgot about someone and I can imagine <laughs> like I don't know how long you guys were friends for but if you, you guys were as close as you're saying that must have really really hurt so is there any reason why it got worse over time? Because from my understanding of ADHD, I just kind of always felt like if you've had it, you know, from when you were a child, it's just like the, the symptoms stay pretty consistent. Like it doesn't get worse. Uh, yep. Yeah, so at some point it was maybe uh, stress levels were high. You know, a suggestion from psychologists, right, that maybe my stress level was high because yes, workload increased uh, around a time period. So it's a period of two years before then, my workload increased, right? I got to handle more responsibilities at work and externally, right? So externally, I was involved in a lot of community activities. So I was helping people get into tech, mentoring a couple of folks, right? Uh, building community. And then the personal things, personal projects I was working on as well. So yeah, the possible pointer was that at that period in time, my stress levels heightened, right? So... That could have been a trigger to make things to have made things worse. Hmm, that's interesting. That's very interesting. But from what I can see, you were quite high performing, and from what you said, like you. I don't want to say you're a genius outrightly without confirming, but you are very, very intelligent. And listening to stories of highly intelligent people and just sort of outliers in some way, because you started working from school, like you were, so sort of you were like a child prodigy to some extent, maybe not a child because you were already in uni, but at the same time, you were quite good. So a lot of people that have these, um, qualities that are very very intelligent and uh and can do things from a very young age they tend to be they tend to show symptoms of ADHD there tends to be a correlation and also people who are said to be very creative also have some symptoms and that goes into the whole daydreaming thing now what I want to ask is you said you completely f- forget about people or forget things is it that you spend most of your time daydreaming or you are just hyperactive. You do so many things that it's hard for you to juggle all these things at once. Uh, so first I would say is, there are times when, let me put it this way, there are times when I get in the zone, right? And I can effectively do a month's work in one day. But before I hit that zone, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. So, uh, half the time, no, we don't have the time. A huge percentage of the time, I am not motivated to do anything, right? So, let's say I need to make dinner. I need to cook food, right? To make it for dinner to eat. Now, I know exactly what I want to eat. I know maybe I have, uh, I've done grocery shopping some days back, right? I have everything to cook, right? But before I get up to go cook, I will most likely spend three or four hours trying to talk myself through that process. So I'll have mentally cooked the food in my head, right? Thought out the whole process. If I was going to try a new recipe, I'd have tried it out in my head before I actually step out of my room to the kitchen to go make that food, right? But when I get that motivation to, I, I'm going to just tell me to motivation, right? When I get that push motivation to go do that, to make that food, I'll go there and I'll finish everything in a very short time. 
because I've thought out the whole process in my head. Yeah, but one second. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Just, I just wanted to just speak on this. Usually, when we hear about ADHD, you think of it as a disadvantage, but that whole thinking about a process and thinking it out before doing it. Funny thing is, I'm beginning to think, hmm, maybe I should ask my therapist again. Do I have ADHD? Because, in all honesty, I do that. Maybe not. Not maybe not hours. Like, I don't plan things for hours. Like, cooking, I do enjoy cooking, so I, I won't plan that out for hours. But I've noticed, like, I mentally do things, so when it's time to do them, it's easier. So when before you were diagnosed with ADHD, did you ever feel like this was a disadvantage or this was something that sort of had its advantages because it takes you less time to do things that other people do because you are able to plan it out properly before doing it? And I'm sure you often are also more successful at it because you've thought things through properly. So the advantage is just that I get to plan things out thoroughly, right? But the disadvantage is, one, I am not motivated to do the task. So while people are doing things or getting things done, I am in a state of inertia because I can't push myself to get things done. I can't seem to focus to get that done, right? So I'm in a state of inertia for a very long time. Uh, so it's just that while I'm in that inertia, uh, I'm overthinking things. My brain is running through. So I'm trying to prep myself to go do that right. And as in the process of prepping myself, I am thinking through things. So it's me running through, running that task in my head multiple times, hoping that I will get that push to go do it. That that counts as thinking it through. So it's not like I actually sit down and say I want to think it through. It's because I'm trying to motivate myself. I'm trying to prep talk myself into getting that task done. And that's why I start thinking every step of that task because I'm doing it multiple times over, multiple times over while telling myself, oh, you know what you can, you, can, you, should, you should do this, you should do this. The same thing with going for an appointment, right? I know I have an appointment by 4 p.m. By, say, 12 noon, I'm already, uh, I'm already aware that I have to do that appointment by 4 p.m. But I'll end up spending 12, that four hours or three and a half hours between then and 12, just even get to partake my baths. So it's getting that motivation to do, to do an actual task, getting my brain to register that I have to do this task. In between that time period, I have spent a lot of time going back and forth to that task that I think it's true. So it's not exactly like it's an advantage that I get to think it's true. It's, it's just like... I added feature with the whole stress of having to prep myself to even stand up and do that task in the first place. Thank you for clarifying that because some people will listen and be like, ah, it doesn't seem like this is affecting his life in any way. And that just brings me to my next question. How has ADHD affected your relationships? And this goes for friendships, romantic relationships, even with family members and colleagues as well. Uh, so for the longest time, I got accused of not, not caring, right? Because... I would start conversations with people, say, for example, on WhatsApp or Twitter DMs, right? And I'll forget about the conversation. Honestly, forget about it. Not because I didn't want to carry on through the conversation. I'll honestly forget I started that conversation. I move on to doing something else, all right? And I most likely forget what I was doing. I move on to something else again. So by the time I remember that conversation, it's like three or four days later. And so I get hit with the, oh, you don't care. You don't care about this friendship. 
or you don't care about this relationship or uh, I have no priority in your life. That's why this writes. And uh, before I understood what exactly was the problem, I would genuinely explain to people, but it got to a point where it seemed like I was spending more time apologizing about forgetting things than actually having conversations with friends. All right, because I would genuinely forget. So we could have a call, right, say, 10 minutes ago, and then I say, oh, I would, get, I would speak to somebody on your behalf. And by evening when you called me, that's when it would just re- register in my head that, oh, I actually promised I was going to do this, right? So yeah, there's that. Like, forgetfulness happened to be one of the major, major symptoms, right, of ADHD that I experienced. Uh, yeah, there are others, right, about, uh, what's it now? So pretty much around forgetfulness, paying attention, right? I could have said I would do something, but or I, I'm do, working on something, but I may not be paying much attention to it because my mind is thinking of something else, trying to prep me to go do something else, another task I should have done a long time ago. Uh, yeah, then sometimes I do things on impulse. So let's say I wanted to go watch a movie, right? Like... No, the normal thing people do is plan out movie dates with friends. But I could just wake up today, or not even just wake up, say, I could just be walking, and then I'll just think, oh, I need to see a movie. And then I reach out to a friend, oh, like, are you free? We'll go see a movie this evening. All right. Now, forgetting that other people have planned their lives out. But me, I live by impulse, right? So it puts a strain in on friendships because I'm pretty much winging it. I'm just thinking things as they come. And they're asking for someone to get involved without paying attention to the fact that they most likely have planned that period of time without uh, having me on it. So, yeah, I'm just trying to drag someone from their planned time into my impulsive activity. Uh, so, there's that. Uh, then, short attention span. So, imagine I was having a long conversation with a friend, I would most likely get distracted. So, we're talking about an activity, something, and then I'll pick up my phone because I'm distracted. Now, not like I'm not paying, I'm not listening to the conversation, but I need something else to boost that attention or something else to think about, right? So I both like to pick up my phone, right? And then the person I'm talking to will feel disrespected because, yeah, we're having a conversation, it's also you're paying attention and you're picking up your phone, looking at something else, carried away by something else. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually listening to the conversation. It's just but a why are you a bit distracted? So, sorry, are you, you, are you able to actually concentrate on what the person is saying? Like, are you able to multitask very well? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yes. I am perfectly paying attention to what you're saying and I can recollect everything you said word for word sometimes. Uh, but most times, I've just I've just lost attention. I've just I, I just got bored, and so I needed something else to fill in that attention space, or to, to pretty much just like there's a void in attention, and I need something else to fill in. So I most likely want to fill in with like picking my phone or trying to pace around, right? Uh, yeah, I think growing uh, getting to adulthood, I've somewhat controlled it. But growing up, I was always interrupting people speaking because. It's like I can read your mind. I know where you're going to, so I don't want to tell you what I have to say. And it's taking too long for you to finish what you're saying. So I'm impatient about what you're saying. So I just want to, like, you know what, get done. I know where you're going to, so let me just say what I want to say, right? Uh, so there was that as, there's that as well. All this uh, affect how my friendships went with people for a long while. So I, 
I noticed like when 2019, 2020, I had to start reaching out to older friends and explaining that, oh, at some point in time, this is what happened, right? It wasn't like I was disrespecting you. It wasn't like I didn't care. It wasn't like I didn't prioritize our friendship or relationship, right? Or interactions. But it was because I had some so problems that I didn't understand then because with age, with uh, much study and research, I was now starting to figure out that this was an actual thing. And this was even before the diagnosis. So I started to figure out, like, trying to explain to people like, oh, see, there are times when I just have short attention span and I can't seem to focus on things or people. There are times when I get moody and I just need to withdraw from people, not because I didn't prioritize friendship, not because I didn't care, not because I wasn't attentive or not sensitive enough, but because at this point in time, something was taking out my attention. Yeah. Then, uh, what else? Uh, I think, so, uh, I, was talking, I was talking about how I will always tell people, right? So, I think sometimes for things that really fill up my attention span at that point in time, I get super, super excited about them. So, excited more than the average person would be excited, right? And sometimes people saw it as a problem. So, for example, say, I'm taking a walk with your friend, or with a group of people, right? And I see somebody doing bike stunts. Now, bike stunts are like we on the on the average you see them maybe like once a week or something. You see somebody where I grew up, right? But because it's particularly interesting, I get so excited about it, and I most likely ignore the people I'm working with to go pay attention to that. All right. So yeah, all of these. Uh, they have effect on friendship. But also, now, after understanding this was a problem and trying to find ways to address it, I started putting more effort. So it required me putting more effort into friendships, right? Like, for example, because I know I'll most likely forget to call a friend and then I'll get hit with, oh, you forgot about me. What I started doing was putting reminders on my calendar to call friends, to call family members. So on my calendar, I have reminders to take medication. I have reminders to reach out to people. I have reminders to check my email box. Like every day I have a reminder to go check my email, right? Because I have missed communication with someone. I have reminders to actually check WhatsApp, to check DMs. I have reminders for all of that because I'll most likely forget about it and not reach out. Uh, birthdays, oh, same thing. So I have to set reminders. So once uh, my interaction with someone becomes a, a bit of personal and I'll just go ahead and ask for a birthday. And right there, I would set a calendar reminder. Yes. So thanks for sharing so far. You've been very, very transparent. How do you manage the symptoms of ADHD in your life? Or how do you just manage ADHD in general? Because like you said earlier, you are a very busy person. You seem like a very, very important person at your job. And you have a lot of people in your life that you don't want to keep disappointing. So how do you manage this? Ah... Okay, so I'll I'll start by saying that people's uh, experience of ADHD symptoms are different. They vary across people, right? For example, uh, I've had a psychologist recommend to me mindfulness, right? Trying to be mindful of things as that would help to improve focus, help to improve uh, being present in things, help to improve attention span and all that, right? yeah, people will recommend different things, right? But for me, things that have worked is one, 
before I even got an official diagnosis, I was trying to use the GTD methodology for getting it's called getting things done. Uh, so yeah, you can look it up. It pretty much defines how you can get actionable results from tasks, right? By one trying to collect, uh, say for example, the use of tasks you need to do so, setting a to-do list, uh, then putting action to it by, say for example, setting calendar reminders, calendar events, so that the notification triggers your brain to get uh, going on that action. And also, from the beginning, you set a goal in mind, right? So for example, oh, these are the things I want to do. You set up, a, you set a goal in mind so that that becomes your metric to measure at the end that you've completed that task and moved to another task. So getting things done methodology works for some people. It works for me in certain, certain situations. It doesn't work all the time for me, but some days it works, some days it doesn't, right? Uh, for some other people, some other people recommend you should use, say, the Pomodoro technique where you set a timer. There are apps for that. Uh, there are apps for, the, uh, I think, Pomodoro technique that you get to work for three, 25 minutes and rest for five minutes, right? So that helps to increase focus as well, helps to reduce tension and anxiety because you're actively working for 25 minutes, drowning out uh, the noise and every uh, activity for like 25 minutes, right? And in five minutes, you get to take a break. So you take a break away from your computer or whatever task you're working on. You walk around, pace, and then you come back again and do another 25 minutes of activity, right? And you take a break for five minutes again. That equally works, right? Uh, yeah, that, that works for me. Certain, when I'm having to do certain tasks, uh, another thing that works for me, surprisingly, is if I have to do a task and I've been dilly-dallying for, say, days, I just pick up my laptop, close all the tabs I have. Because normally, while I'm looking at the tab, I would open like five other tabs because I saw a word I wanted to interpret or I heard someone say something, I wanted to see what I had use cases for that, right? So I open like five tabs. And before you know it, I end up having like about eight windows of my of my browser with say like 60 different tabs in each window, right? Uh, so if I want to focus on a particular task, I just quit my browser, say quit Chrome. Something I also realized that helps a lot is exercising. So exercising has a lot of health benefits, but also helps for you to take your mind off a couple of things and do laser focus. So for people who their own symptoms of ADHD are around just attention deficit and not hyperactivity, they find it hard to focus on one thing, right? So exercising sometimes helps you to switch your focus to just one thing, right? I try to explain to them that, oh, sometimes I forget things and it's not because I do not care or because I do not make a priority, but it's just because my brain just chooses to forget things sometimes, right? And so I put a lot of controls, compensating controls in place around to make sure I do not forget. But sometimes it doesn't help, sometimes it helps. So I try to explain things to people. I try to communicate more clearly than before, right? Uh, So also... I try not to, so if I'm going to do something for someone, I try not to promise because I know there's a tendency that I might not keep up with that promise. So I let them know how things are. Uh, I'm more transparent. I'm more honest about things. Yeah, these are things that will help to balance out. Not like it will help, uh, it's totally isolates the problem or solves it fully, but there's just hacks around trying to manage ADHD, manage working, living, and interacting with people. Yeah. 
Okay, so you said something about being more honest, which I, I definitely will commend you for because it's not easy. But is this like your level of honesty? Is it like, let's say you're on a date or you're meeting someone for the first time? Would it be like, you'd be like, by the way, I have ADHD. So in case I forget to um, answer your messages or this, that, and the third, don't take it personal. And how do people also react to this if you tell them? Because I, I remember someone said that to me, not necessarily per, regarding ADHD, but just regarding how he can be like very reclusive from time to time. And I just kind of brushed it off. And when it happened, I was like, oh my God, you're ghosting me <laughs> without even realizing that, okay, he actually did say that he does deal with things emotionally. So yeah, how do they react to this? And also, how honest are you exactly? Oh, so I talk about forgetfulness a lot because it's like the most prevalent, uh, what's it now, prevalent symptom for me. That's why you find that I'm talking about on, uh, about forgetfulness a lot, right? But that's not the only symptom. A lot of other symptoms, but it's just the one I choose to focus on for this call uh, because it's the one that affects me every day, every single day. So yeah, when I meet someone new for the first time, maybe it's a new work colleague or someone I'm going out on a date with or someone I was introduced to, say, just randomly, right? I try to let them know that, say, one, I forget things a lot. Well, not like it's not like I just you just bring it up on them and say, Oh, I have ADHD, or yeah, I've been clinically diagnosed with ADHD, right? But no, you just you find subtle ways to let them know. So, for example, uh, yeah, I tend to forget things a lot, and it's not because, oh, I have a very short attention span. So those are things I mostly say. I'll tell you, oh, I have a very short attention span, right? So if you find my attention sleeping, it's not because I no longer find you interesting or I no longer uh, enjoy your company or I no longer want to talk to you. It's because my brain is pretty much wired to act that way sometimes. So please be a little bit lenient with me. And also, uh, I might forget things so the way forgetfulness works for me is that things you'll expect me to remember are the things I'll forget. Things that you expect me to not forget the minute inconsequential things are the things I'll definitely remember. Right. So I might forget and I'm sure for some people, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm sure for some people they'll probably think, hmm, okay, so if you are forgetful, you have ADHD, how come you remember this then? I know ADHD. Does that happen? Yeah, so I was telling someone, I, I told someone about this, that, oh yeah, I tend to forget things a lot. And then, for some reason, conversation came up, and then I was telling him about how, oh, I remember when I was two years old, and I did so, and so, and he's surprised, and like, why would you remember something from when you're two years old? But you can't remember that we had this conversation some days ago, right? And then you made me believe that it's just your brain forgetting things, but I think you were intentionally not wanting to do this thing. So yeah, that situation does happen a lot of the time. Where people are people feel it's weird that I remember things when I was two, when I was five. I remember things that they don't even remember any longer. So for example, I remember every single person I meet, right? The very first interaction I have with them. I think that's a very interesting thing. I remember every my very first interaction. So if I meet you in a bus or I meet you on a, a flight or someone introduces me to you over a Zoom call, or I meet you on Twitter. I remember the very first interaction. But every time after that, I may not remember. So people find it so weird that I will remember that very first interaction, but I'll forget something as simple as what I told them I was going to do yesterday. 
So yeah, people find that weird. So I have to spend a lot of time trying to explain and trying to make amends. Yeah, so I find myself in that situation. So which is why, on first interaction, first or maybe early interactions with people, I try to make them understand that. See, my brain sometimes chooses to forget things. I don't exactly have control over that aspect. Right. So it's not something to freak out. It's not something to be to uh, think me weird or think me. Uh, not honorable enough to get things done. All right, it's just my brain acting up sometimes. Yeah, so I think putting that out there helps to make things softer. Then maybe if we start getting a little bit more closer, right? Our interactions are getting more personal. And I can tell you, oh, okay, it's actually ADHD. Yeah, or if a person starts asking deeper questions, yeah. But most of the time, I try not to just put it because. I've also experienced a situation where I told someone who oh, I had ADHD and the person just for a while didn't talk to me at all because he felt, oh, this person is a weird person. So it's subtly putting it out there, subtly, yeah. I've also had experienced someone telling me that I am claiming a mental illness that shouldn't be mine. Yeah. So it's just, I find subtle ways to let people know that, okay, you might experience this, which in turn is, you know, it, it, it's not me. And then, so for example, I think well, I don't ghost. It's just that sometimes I forget to continue conversations. So please, if it's, this happens, it's not because I'm trying to ghost you. It's just because I genuinely forgot about it without even trying. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So, um, do you, okay, two things. First of all, for those people who don't know, please tell us, is this something that, is ADHD something that can be cured or something you just have to learn to live with for the rest of your life? Uh, so I think research has shown that ADHD is a lifelong condition, right? Uh, well, you can manage it with, uh, or certain symptoms can be managed with medication and behavioral treatments, uh, which is why it's recommended that you should actually get your diagnosis one from a qualified mental health practitioner and also uh, work with them for treatment, right? There is that. Uh, also, research has shown that along the line, certain symptoms may fade with age. So with behavioral treatment and medication in place, certain of these symptoms may fade and you can actually live a normal life. So yeah, it's manageable, not like a death sentence or something. Okay, that's very good. Thank you for letting us know. And also, like, what advice do you have to... Um, to give to young people like yourself, young people living with ADHD in Africa, especially Nigeria? Uh, so I'll say that first thing is not to exactly see yourself as really different from neurotypicals, right? Because uh, ADHD being a mental condition makes you uh, neurodivergent, right? I think that's a term for it. But you shouldn't really see yourself as, as different from neurotypicals, right? That's one thing. So, like I said earlier, with proper uh, treatment from 
qualified professionals, right? You can manage it and make the symptoms as minimal as possible, right? So there is that as well. Uh, then I'll say, oh, do your own research. So read, like for me, I spend time reading a lot of white papers. So for example, I, for a period of time, experienced severe headaches, right? I had to read the correlation between ADHD and headaches, right? And spoke to my doctors about it. Also, I think something important, which is also a good life hack for people with ADHD, is that you write things down. So I got a tablet, uh, particularly for writing stuff, because I realized that stuff I wrote down, I got to remember better. It stopped to my brain better. So I started writing a lot of things down. I write my thoughts. So I wake up in the morning and I try to journal stuff, right? I try to write things I remembered from the previous day. Uh, I try to remember the right things I want to plan for the day and for the week, right? So writing stuff down helps you to build a habit of one, journaling, helps you to remember stuff better and helps you to put your thoughts in a more concise manner. So overall, it's a good habit to pick up, right? Yeah, I think that's a habit. Uh, yeah, then I think uh, be more open and honest in conversations with people about things. Yeah. So for a while, I would shy away from having these honest conversations with people, right? Because I didn't want to, one, be judged, or two, I was just trying not to prolong things. But uh, avoidance isn't necessarily a good tactic uh, to handling problems that arise as a result of your ADHD symptoms, right? So it's best to have honest communication with people about things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tammy, for coming on and just giving advice to people because most of the time we've heard about ADHD, but <laughs> it's, not, it's not very common to know someone who has been diagnosed, like properly diagnosed with having ADHD in this society, an adult who's living within and who's also willing to share his experience. So thank you. And I'm sure our listeners have learned so much from this. And I hope to have you back on this podcast in future because I think you are very smart and there are more things that we can talk about <laughs> okay thank you very much for the compliments uh so my final, final last two words i should say is like i said for most of the time during this conversation is that symptoms vary across people right so the fact that you relate a lot to symptoms i've experienced uh, should not be a marker for you to declare you have ADHD. Please see a qualified professional to make that diagnosis. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. No self-diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very okay, much. Thank you up. so much. Yeah, I enjoyed having this conversation. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Imole. Please make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your episodes. You can also send me emails about today's episode or anything related to mental health and spirituality through fanmail at imolethepod.com. Finally, please subscribe to the Imole newsletter to learn more about our episodes through the link in the episode notes.
Thank you and see you on the next episode. This episode was produced by Aisha Salaudin, audio mixed by Lord Phil, and is distributed by Visual Audio Times. For more podcasts, visit visualaudiotimes.com.